The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
swinging from Damn. that gallows pole. Yes. Johnny, that was an inspired call. Well, we had to, we had to eventually find a way, non-manufactured, yeah. to get the legendary Led Zeppelin as, Zeppelin as one of our gems. Oh yeah, they were a, they were a gem factory. Those guys. Were. Yes. And yet somehow, you know, it, it took, eluded us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we can cross that off the list. I mean, now. even when we talked about Lord of the Rings, we didn't include uh, what was it, Ramblin? That's got that in there. Yeah, 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 completely. Yeah, the references to Mortar. Sure, and sure. Yeah, yeah we, yeah, we yeah. missed that one. So now we hit it, and it's we hit it in stride. Yes, which will become apparent once we go over the the intro. But first, because you've taught me so well, yeah, uh, let me, as, as, as they say in the business, billboard. Please this do, tune. please do. That is, of course, uh, Gallows Pole off of Led Zeppelin Three, released in 1970. Creatively titled Led Zeppelin Three. Yeah, and as many uh, Led Zeppelin aficionados know, that that's actually based loosely on an old blues tune by Lead Belly called Gallus. That's a G-A-L-L-I-S poll. Interesting. But if you dive deeper into the rabbit hole, which you know I love to do. Absolutely. Uh, it's actually based on an old English shanty tune. Really? Yes, referring to a, uh, a woman who was about to be hung, and then her lover shows up wow. with the, uh, the proper uh, dowry, or whatever you want to yeah. call it, to get her out of the hangman's noose. Well, that's the way it was in those days. That's you know? the way it was in those days. Yes, yes. So, as it relates to our current situation <laughs> with those wacky <laughs> vaccine mandates. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this is strange, yeah. strange days indeed. Oh, strange days indeed. So, I'll tell you what. I will uh, let me throw up this volleyball soft serve so you can nail it home. Yes. Our main topic today, of course, we're talking about vaccination mandates, a.k.a. show me your papers, old man. Mm. Your what papers, is please. going on in the world of you have to do this and you have to do that? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because right now uh, I don't really care anymore what, <laughs> um, what anybody's... That, folks, is our man on the street. Yeah. <laughs> What anybody's bullshit reasons are to not get the vaccine. I oh, mean, okay. There's a you know, disclaimer I, there. Well, okay. I, understand, I understand people's skepticism in regarding the pharmaceutical industry. I don't trust sure. those fuckers either. Yes. And never will. Um, but, you know, it, the true question that needs to be answered here is, does society have a right to protect itself? And precedent says, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. You know, so, like I said, you don't want to get the shot for whatever fucking reason. That's fine. We're going to protect ourselves from you, right? You right. know, it's it's an unfortunate, but you know, let me let me beat you about the face and head with the numbers. <laughs> uh, this particular strain of uh, virus, uh, coronavirus, has killed seven hundred thousand people. Uh, there have been over forty three million cases in the U.S. alone, two hundred nineteen million worldwide. Um, as of September 1st, there were 96,800 people hospitalized in the U.S. because of this fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, though I will say, as of September 19th, the latest date that figures were available, that number had dropped to 76,000. You know, and anybody that's been watching this knows it surges and it abates and it right. surges and it right. abates. So, you know, we're in an abating period right now, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to see another variant and another surge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you don't want to get the vaccine, fine. Stay the fuck away from me. Touch me, and I'll kill you. You know, is really what it comes down to. And like I said, precedent dictates uh, that society does have a right to protect itself. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what we're talking about. That's the question. Right. You it know, is... Never mind the constitutional bullshit or the religion bullshit or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you don't, you don't want to get a vaccine, vaccination. That's fine. You know, your call. Right. We can't, and that's the line we can't cross, is we can't force people to get the shots. We can't do that. But That's see, what we have the liberty of doing here, because we kowtow to no corporate entity, Yes. unlike most of your major cable networks, we don't present here on Riffs and Rants just one side or the other. Obviously. We jump in the trenches without getting bogged down in, you know, Bullshit. a myriad of, of non-facts and all this other crap. Yeah. We present both sides of the argument, good or bad, whether we agree with it personally or not. Yeah. Okay. And, of course, long-term listeners of the show know this. Yeah. So, that being said, my quasi-official feelings on this, because <laughs> uh, we try and avoid, you know, putting a rubber stamp on wherever we're coming from, yes. because a lot of these things are, are fluid, yeah. okay? And the maybe key next phrase week, there was, that having been said, right. here it comes. <laughs> but here's where I stand on this. All right. I mean, 
like I said to you pre-show when we were talking about this, the Constitution has been around forever. Right. And this is not the first instance of a situation, especially as it pertains to public health, where you're on one side or the other based on what the Constitution says and people just pipe up with their individual liberties yeah. and become you know, that boulder in the middle of the stream, so sure, to speak. Sure. If this had happened in the 80s and I made the comparison, well, perhaps not completely equal, but decent comparison. If this had happened during the AIDS epidemic, yeah. okay, mm -hmm. and they said, we've got a vaccination and it works, you all need to take this to protect yourself from AIDS, yeah. I guarantee you, granted, it was 40 years ago, but I guarantee you, 90% and higher, the population would have jumped all over that shit. I don't doubt that for a minute. And by the way, you scared the shit out of me when you said that was 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my God, 40 fucking years right? ago. Holy shit. Now, but we yeah, bring us to today after I, you know a myriad of different scandals yeah. and, and things that the government, as well as Big Pharma, yeah. has done to shake in our, our, our faith in these institutions. Yeah. You're still looking at the same situation. If there's a vaccine out there that's been proven to, look, at worst, retard the effects of the COVID-19 yeah. virus well, or the different variants. In a nutshell, it keeps it from killing you. Right. You know, you can still, you can still get sick from it. You, I think the breakthrough uh, stats are one in 5,000. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! So, yeah, even right. if you've been vaxxed, you can still get sick. So just on, gonna on paper, die. I mean, <laughs> just on paper, without anybody's opinion getting thrown into it, yeah. why would you not want to take this? Okay, mm. now you've got your fringe groups that are saying it's going to affect DNA and it's going to eliminate different genes yeah. and there's microbes they're using to track you. That's bullshit. Okay, I'm on the record as saying that. <laughs> this is somebody who doesn't trust big government at all. Yeah. But I'm telling you, folks, just... Tune that shit out. But here's the more important thing, okay? And I know you've got a whole bunch of facts and figures to throw at us. Mm. I looked at it, as I often do, from a very black and white standpoint, sure. okay? yeah. So right now, we got two uh, big portions of society that are on the front lines with weighing of the, do I take it, do I not take it, how long can I hold out? Yeah. And it's the frontline medical workers and the military. Yeah. So let's start with the military, short and concise. And again, I'm not throwing everybody's opinions into this. I'm just giving you the facts, folks. They're introducing legislation that if you're in the military and you refuse to take the vaccine, you're going to be dishonorably discharged. Well, yeah, if, if anybody didn't know this already, if you're in the military, the United States government owns you. Right. You, you don't, but not in the age of Facebook. Well, now yes all of a sudden no. you can stand up and, and defend yourself. Well, you, can, you, know. you can defend yourself, but the result is still going to be the same. Right. You know, and that's that's unfortunately. And in the interest of being fair, okay, right. we're being fair. Yes. Oh wow. Let's say because you and I are not active duty military, perhaps we don't have a horse in this particular race. Sure. So it would be different, maybe, if we were in there and. Yeah, we, we hear about the Tuskegee experiments or the useless distribution of quinine saying it was going to protect you against radiation. Yeah. We get it. We know the stories. Oh, sure. Okay, and, we yeah. know enough to weigh an opinion Absolutely. in on this. Absolutely. And like I said, it really isn't a question of what your bullshit excuse for not getting the shot is anymore. Right. You're, you know, if you don't want to get the shot, fine. And I, I respect that position. You know, I respect your, your concern about the U.S. government, your concern about the pharmaceutical industry. And whatnot. I mean, I'm in a unique situation where I've run so many foul chemicals through my body, you know, over the last this is true. 40 it years. Is not exaggerating. I'm not really worried about what the vaccine will do. I can respect that, and that's fine. Right. You want to take that position, take that position, but get the fuck away from me. Right. You know, you're going to be over there now. Yeah. You know? And I look at the hypocrisy of, you know, when in the military, if you're ordered to go stab an old woman in the belly because you think she might be strapped with some TNT and it's going to you know, <laughs> run your checkpoint, okay, and you're okay with that, yeah. but yet you don't want to take a shot that's going to protect you against this, this virus that could kill you, your priorities are jacked up. Kind of, okay? yeah. It kind of seems that way, doesn't you it? You know, I'd hate to put it in the, in, the, in the plainest terms that you did, although you're not far off. Yeah, you sign away a whole shitload of rights when you join a military. Oh, yes, you do. You work for the government, and the government says in order to be an effective tool, a.k.a. a soldier or a weapon of war, yep. you need to take this so that half of our guys aren't in, in the medical barracks when it comes time to go to war. Yeah. Then guess what? Your ass is taking a shot. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, and oh, by the way, this shit can kill you. 
Right. You know, obviously, like I said, 700,000 in the U.S. alone dead from COVID. Yep. And you want to debate that number. You want to debate whether or not it's accurate. That's fine. We'll knock it down to 500,000. Right. Just, you Let's know. do 250,000 yeah. for error. Yeah. That's still somewhere between a quarter of a million and half a million fucking people that went down with this thing. Right. You know, and they're, they're not all old people. Yep. And I know? say this with all... The possible, plausible respect for our men and women in uniform. Absolutely. I, I, I get it. I get your concerns. But you know yeah. what? You signed the paper. Yeah. You signed it's, the paper. It's, yeah, Simple it's, as that. It's unfortunate. Right. And, and, and again, it's not like they're going to line you up and shoot you if you don't get the vaccine. Well, this week. Like they would in China. But, <laughs> you know, at the same time, you know, yeah, dishonorably discharged, go away. Like I said, you're, you're going to have to stay over there now. Yep. You know, you're going to have to stay away from the rest of us. And that's just the way it is. Next up, similar but different. Yeah. The latest uh, segment of society we have propped up as heroes and we're ready to put them on the cover of Time magazine, which would be our medical first responders. Yeah. And this, our medical personnel in general. Yeah, okay? that's, this is where it gets difficult. Right. So they held their finger in the proverbial dike of the onslaught of this this, this epidemic. Okay? And they're, sti- they're still doing still it. Still doing it, right. Yeah. Yet, now we come at them saying, well, if you refuse to get vaccinated, you're fired. Yeah. Okay? And yeah. their go-to plan is to bring in the recently retired... And those who couldn't get licensed again, oh, right? I did just say those words out of my mouth. Yeah. Those who couldn't get licensed again <sighs> to come back into the hospitals to fill those gaps yep. made vacant by people who choose not to get vaccinated. Yeah. Now, what the fuck doesn't scare the hell out of you about that scenario? Oh, yeah. 80-year-old doctors, okay, and mm-hmm. people that may have made a couple mistakes (laughs) and weren't suited to be licensed again. They're coming back into the fold. Yeah, for whatever reason, and they're all bad. Right. (laughs) To which I say this. Look, if if you've got a thousand years of corn and you take a look at a couple of those years of corn and they're a little brown or, you know, they've got some blight happening on the corns, you throw those years of corns out. Of course. If you've only got 10 years of corn and you're going to the market, you've got to sell all those years of corn. Yes, you do. So in terms of both an all-volunteer military force, which is dwindling as it is, plus all these experienced, grizzled, frontline medical workers, which you will need... To not only fight this epidemic, but God knows what tomorrow brings. Yeah, what's on the heels of this. Right? Yeah. You're going to send these people away nilly, willy-nilly to, to, to make a point, to make a stand. It's a tough call. It is. And there's got to be a better way. Because when you run up against a wall in the world of, of, of business even, mm-hmm. what do you do? You don't keep going forward, smacking your head on the wall. Yeah. You either go left or you go right. Yeah. And the best of us can take things from both directions or, God forbid, build a ladder and go over the wall. Yeah, there you okay? go. There you so go. what we're so caught up in now is politicians in Washington on their heels looking to look tough now and to make a stand. Yeah, there's okay? a bit of that going on. It's, it's the ones taking the stand that they're trying to lay down the law. And there's the other ones on the other side, my people. Hold on to your butt. Trying to make a stand <laughs> out of supporting individual liberties. And see, this is why big government is bad. Oh, yeah. Well, you take a big step back and take a look at this and put it in perspective. The timing is stunning. It's like yeah. this, is, this is the most divided the country has been in a very, very long time. Oh, it's time. a shit show. And just to make it fun, let's throw in a pandemic. Right. You know, let's throw in something really fucking serious that really, really does kill people. And find a way to divide us even more. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Because yeah. apparently racism isn't terminal. Go figure. <laughs> you won't find that in the pamphlets. But COVID-19 and this Delta variant, they apparently are. Okay? Apparently, yeah. And since we haven't had a new variant in a month or so... Yeah, no one's coming around the corner. One would think. One would think. I mean, you know, it's the 19th version yeah. of... What's after Delta? Phi? I the Phi? That, that, don't that, know. That sounds like a nursery rhyme. It we does, call it the it? Phi variant. Yeah, yeah. Something musical. Maybe like something, Theta. Something, something whimsical. Let's put something whimsical on it so we can all smile and laugh as it's killing us. Let's call us. it the chocolatey variant. No, wait. <laughs> that's, that's racism again. Can't do that. Oh, don't go there. Don't go there. Carob-coated. Variant, there. People like that. That's healthy. All right. All right. It's pretty neutral. Yeah, it pretty is. neutral. It is. <laughs> or the gluten-free variant. People will jump on that one. No doubt. No Bottom doubt. line is, it's it's a shit show. And here's the other thing, which really is coming straight from me, not okay. from you, because you, right. you believe in the innate goodness of the American people. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> 
we've got a shit ton of people sitting home uh, still. So I know the extra stipends have been eliminated, but yeah. there's still a huge proportion of the uh, the able to work society out there that's still suckling upon the government teat um, to get their you know bread and circuses or not. And I'm wondering how they're supporting themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Hello, meth. Yeah, really. <laughs> but. Is this now going to turn into another excuse why people are not returning to the mainstream workforce? Well, again, With this whole, well, I refuse, as is my right to be vaccinated, so keep paying me to sit home yeah. until you lift these, these demands. Well, again, putting it in you know, a certain perspective, that's, I, I would credit them with, yeah, that's a valid reason to not put yourself in a situation where you could possibly be exposed and possibly be killed. Um, but again, you're going to have to stay over there from now on. Right. You know, that's just the way it is. I'm and for sorry. those of you not familiar with uh, Michael Sean Lee's concept of stay over there for a minute, that's the ultimate in ostracization. Yeah. <laughs> is that a word? I just made that a word? Okay, I that's a word so. now. Yeah. Um, yes, and, and we totally agree together on this that in terms of sporting events, concerts, restaurants, private businesses, individual gatherings, you know, weddings, social mm-hmm. functions, if you're not vaccinated, then you should stay home. Oh, all these people have the right to say, hey, this is my stadium, this is my arena, this yep. is my restaurant, this is my bar. If you're not vaccinated, stay the fuck out of here. Right. I don't want your business. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, if you're if you're unwilling for whatever your bullshit reason is to not get vaccinated, you're gonna have to contend with that. Right. You know, and this you, is not to say that the non vaccinated or choose those who choose not to be vaccinated are bad people. I'm no, not, not saying at that. all. Not at all. I'm saying, however, in the interest of the greater good uh, yeah. and that other whimsical term they keep throwing around, that the herd mentality. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're not gonna jump on board, good. No one's gonna stick you with a sharp object, but could you please wait across the street over yeah, there fifty yards away? That's the way it works. And coming around to the point that we started this with Society does have a right to protect itself from whatever is threatening society. Yes, and it does. Regardless sorry, of folks. political system, social yeah. structure, any of that nonsense. I know people who are refusing to get vaccinated. Not bad people. But, you know, the reality is you're going to have to take responsibility for that decision. Right. You know, and you're going to have to step out. Yeah. You know, for lack of a better term, step out. Take a lesson from nature. You know, have you ever watched a nature show, okay, when out on the Serengeti, there's the lioness in the tall grass, and she's stalking that little group of wildebeests yes. that are just hanging out, drinking from the lake, mm-hmm. or zebra, or elk, or whatever they are. Yep. And if that lioness were to attack a, a baby wildebeest, or mm-hmm. zebra, or whatever, yes, the parents might get involved. Yeah. But otherwise, it's the slow, sickly one that just can't go along to get along. That gets pulled down and eaten alive. Yeah, they call that Darwinism. Right, yeah. and it's time for a little Darwinism. And I, hey, look, I, I'm not even going to say I hate to put it in those terms because yeah. there comes a time yeah. when, look, Mr. and Mrs. America, we, we, we need to put it in these terms. Yeah, It's survival of the fittest. Absolutely. And if you've got a solution to keep you living longer and, and healthier and you don't take it, Yes, it's your choice, but yes, the consequences are on you. Well, quite it's honestly, time to own it. Yeah, quite honestly, you know, if you're refusing to get the shot, you should stay over there. Because one of the things that they've discovered is that even when you have been vaccinated, you can still carry it. Sure. You know, and you, you will, or I could get it tomorrow. Yeah. And we won't, you know, we could possibly show symptoms. I think the, the statistics on vaccinated people having a what they call a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, infection or reaction or whatever, about one in 5,000, which is they're not bad odds. I'll take right. those odds. But, you know, if you're not vaccinated and you're hanging with the herd, you could get it, mm-hmm. and it will, it potentially will kill your ass. Right. So, you know, in all honesty, again, if you're choosing not to be vaccinated, you should get the fuck over there. Right. You know, you really should separate yourself from everybody else until this blows over. It's like yeah. having a guest come into your house. Let's say it's a guest that you love and cherish. Yes. However... They have fleas, Aye. okay? And their excuse after you contract the fleas after a weekend getaway <laughs> is that, well, I had fleas. Yeah, I knew I had fleas, but I didn't think the fleas would get you. Yeah. You know, that's the other way of, of looking at this. It yeah. could jump from you into someone else you care about. So, yeah, that argument of do it not just for yourself, but the people you care about, yep. that's a valid argument. It is. It, it truly is, you know? Stop being such a selfish, self-centered prick. Message!
Right. So so we're basically calling everybody assholes right now. <laughs> and you know, did what? we miss anybody? Did we miss I don't, anybody? I don't think so. Oh, good. But uh, I like the like the idea that we're thorough. We, yeah. we try to be thorough. Did here, we mention right? child actors? Because fuck them. We might have missed Those that. Those little weird but, bastards. But yeah, in all right. honesty, fuck them. I didn't have a childhood. Shut up. You made millions. <laughs> Enough with that already. All right. Well, now that we've offended everybody in the world, okay. let's dippity-doo into that oasis of sanity <laughs> known as our middle gem. I think we should go there. And I think you've produced a winner for us this well, week, sir. thank you. Thank you. I feel good about this. I truly do. Um, you know, this is a band that we haven't touched on too often. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, a mistake and oversight on our part. But I'm, I'm happy to say we're going to make up for it today. We've only had 85 episodes, bro. At all? That's it. Well, sure. Times three is, well, more than 85, so. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to sound cold, but, you know, these guys are all dead. So fortunately, they won't take offense to the fact that we've skipped over them until now. Fair enough. But, uh, but in all honesty, that was an oversight. We are going to correct it right now. Uh, our, uh, our middle gem choice for today is from a band called the Ramones. I've heard of them. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, a band out of New York. <laughs> yep. You know, they had an impact. They did some shit back in the day. And uh, for your enjoyment, we're going to do uh, Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio? Nice tune. All right. Enjoy this one, folks. We'll be back in a few minutes with some more things and stuff. And, of course, an explanation as to why it's our middle gem leading into what today's subtopic's going to be. Stay tuned. This is Rock and Roll Radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the remote.
This is Rock and Roll Radio. Stay tuned for more Rock and Damn, Roll. Damn, that felt good. <laughs> that is definitely one of the more rocking Ramones tunes. Yeah. And it's, it's over three minutes. Yeah. It's it was crazy. Just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, I think you, you, what did you call it, an epic? It's an opus. It's, it's like, an opus it's like for the Ramones. their version of the, the yeah. end by the doors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that was Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio from the Ramones. It was the second signal, single, thank you, mm-hmm. uh, from their fifth studio album, End of the Century. And uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty legendary in Ramones lore because this was, uh, this was the album they did with Phil Spector. Okay. Um, it was not known as a nice man. Not very. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they were, uh, I mean... In a lot of ways, uh, this was uh, destiny for the Ramones because those guys, anybody who knows anything about the Ramones knows that they loved 1950s pop, mm-hmm. you know, the girl band stuff. And Phil Spector, of course, was the mastermind behind right. most of that shit. So the idea of working with Phil, you know, seemed to make total sense to them. And they mm-hmm. were, you know, the Ramones, particularly Johnny, they were looking right. for a hit, you know, because they were, you know, were still a fringe band, even though they were, you know, legendary in punk circles. Yep. It's not like they were making a shit ton of money. And, uh, and, of course, the old experience led to uh, a story that contributes to the legend and the lore of the Ramones. Uh, as he was known to do, uh, <laughs> and what led him to uh, eventually being locked up for the, for the end of the century, uh, the story goes Phil pulled, pulled a gun on the Ramones. Right. At, at one point, and this was, this was not unusual, the Ramones... Uh, didn't get along particularly well. Joey and Dee Dee, in particular, hated Johnny. Um, Johnny was a taskmaster. Johnny was the band leader. And uh, apparently there was strife in the studio one day, and they all decided, fuck it, we're leaving. And Phil didn't want to end the session, so he pulled a gun on him, as the legend goes, mm-hmm. and said, nobody's going anywhere. And uh, again, this is legend, and you know, true or not, who knows, but in all honesty, who cares? Um, Johnny stared Phil down and said, what are you going to do, Phil? Shoot us? And they walked out. You know, now, now, whether or not that is true or not, who knows, but it's still a fun story to tell, and it still right. like, contributes to the legend that is the Ramones and their session with Phil Spector. Yep. And I'm, I'm chuckling to myself because I couldn't help but recall <laughs> uh, a scene by uh, Danny DeVito in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia playing Frank Reynolds. Okay. Yes. I don't know if they wanted money mm-hmm. or they wanted something more sexual. Wow. But it's a lucky thing I had my pieces. Wow. Anyway, I started blasting. Bah, wow. bah. Yep, and that was it. That was the quote. <laughs> Carrying his, he carries a gun around every place. Nice. And when he least expect it, he's like, you know. So I pull out my gun and I start blasting. <laughs> but yeah, it's a nice little snippet. Thank you. And, yes, uh, and tasty. Very tasty. And, yeah. and, and of course, as always, we have an agenda as far as that song is concerned. Oh, we do. A number of people were name-checked in yep. that song, if you were paying attention. Uh, John Lennon, T-Rex, amongst others. Yep. Um, and where are we going with this, John? Well, our, our, our subtopic, since we had such a heavy, dig, deep dive into that first one, is, of course, of a lighter nature. And we're talking about, basically, what's in a name, primarily as it applies to rock and roll bands. Yeah. And some of the names over the years that are just part of, you know, pop culture, embedded in pop culture, like the Rolling Stones, yep. which is, of course, from the, the saying, Rolling Stones, Gather No Moss. Yep. Um, you know, I got to say, if I hear a band name that seems to indicate that the band doesn't take themselves seriously, uh-huh. I don't take themselves seriously. Interesting. Yeah. You I know? figured you would be the opposite. No, no, no. If I hear, like, the exploding plastic inevitable, right. it's like, fuck you guys. I don't, <laughs> you know, you're not going to take you seriously, so neither am I. And know? I always say that I, I'm not a big fan of, of bands that either act or talk tough. Yeah. Because they're, look, they're minstrels, all right? They're skinny ass uh, musicians, basically. Right? They're, they're a jingly hat away from being a court jester, so don't try and act tough. However, yeah. when they come up with like some real dark kind of like names yeah. and shit, yeah. it does make them seem a little more interesting. Oh, it does. Okay? It, it, it compels you. It, it, it pulls you in. Yeah, Definitely. but sometimes, sometimes it can be a very funny name. Yeah. Or sometimes it's so simple, like, I'm sorry, The Who. Yeah. The Who? Who? Yeah. Right. Well, knowing what we know about the Who, you know that there was some thought put into sure, that. There was some sure. twisted genius put yep. into that. You know. So what we've got uh, prepared for you, ladies and gentlemen, are yes. our top three favorite band names of all time, 
for reasons such as you know, wittiness, uh, obscure allusions to literature, yep. or just phonetically sounding funny or, or simplicity or whatever. And so, I don't know about uh, you, John, but I, I felt uh, it was difficult to narrow this list down. Well, you did. In you fairness know? to you, Mike, you came out with, what, eight different yeah, options? Yeah, something like that. There, I was, there was scratching for three. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, some, you know, Led Zeppelin is a classic example. You know, the, the, the band name came out of a joke, yep. you know, that happened between John N. Whistle, Keith Moon, and Jimmy Page, and uh, I think Chris Farlow, a vocalist, um, as far as, you know, I think at the time they were talking about uh, Entwistle and, and Moon were talking about leaving The Who mm -hmm. and jumping in with Jimmy on the new, new band that Jimmy was putting together. And either Moon or Entwistle, depending on who you ask, said, yeah, that's going to go over like a lead balloon. Right. And Jimmy Page, being the, the sharp motherfucker that he is, <laughs> said, wait a minute, that's it, you know, and, yep. and grabbed that name and it became Led Zeppelin. So there's, there's so many different stories in rock and roll Sure. You know, about that kind of thing contributing to a band name that it was really hard to narrow it down. But so is that one of your three or is no, that just no, no, a palate no. cleanser? That's just a palate cleanser right there. <laughs> okay. You know, that was that was a little tasty something to draw the folks in. So All right. Well let me jump in with uh, my number three, Please low do. hanging fruit. Yeah, go for it. Um, which not surprising to a great many people is Pink Floyd. Yes. And using Pink Floyd again. Obviously, right. we say obviously very smugly, like everyone knows the story <laughs> oh, behind everything. To do, yes, but uh, you know, Pink Floyd, uh, the name derived from the first name and the well, the other first name really of two famous blues musicians, Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. Wow, now what makes that more amazing is because we would never equate Pink Floyd with the names. Of old blues musicians. No, not at all. From the people that brought you marching hammers and flying pigs and things of that nature. <laughs> Saying something obscure like Pink Floyd makes you think, well, maybe there's like a giant character that's pink that's named Floyd that runs the universe. I don't yeah, know. Something like that. Yeah. But no, it's just derivative from two blues musicians, but it, well, it works. Yeah, not to the Pink Floyd boys. When they came, came out, you know, so many different British musicians were totally enthralled with the blues thing mm -hmm. and were, you know, doing blues-based music. And though obviously this is a nod from Pink Floyd towards blues musicians, there's nothing about Pink Floyd <laughs> that has anything to do with the blues, <laughs> you know? So it was like it was crafty and, uh, right. and you know, really, really ingenious. And I, totally I can't pigeonhole Pink Floyd in anything. I mean, they're labeled as progressive rock. That's real progressive. Yeah. That's like saying a, a Cessna turboprop plane <laughs> is not as progressive as the Concorde. This is know? true. This is true. Yeah. Big gap there. Big gap. So that, yeah. that, that's my good stuff, number three Johnny. intro. Good, good, good opener. I like it. My, uh, my number three, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's funny because this band name, so many people have just like kind of accepted as is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you stop and think about it, it's like, what the fuck was that all about? Uh, and, of course, I'm talking about Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, apparently, the name came from first a friend of Fogarty's named Creedence Newball. Did you buy furniture at a store called Unpainted Huffhine? And I'll, I'll just Doesn't let that... Doesn't even sound like a dude you'd want to party I'll with. I'll just let that hang out there. <laughs> uh, Clearwater came from a TV commercial for Olympia Brewing Company where they made reference to the clear water that went into their brewing wow. process. No beer company would ever stoop to that I these know, days. I looking know, really. at you, of course. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and apparently Revival was because the guys in Creedence got back together after a three-year hiatus... Um, well, they dealt with the uh, obligatory military service of the time. And the avoidance thereof. Yeah, and the avoidance thereof, <laughs> exactly. So that's where you got Creedence, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Wow. And yeah, yeah it was kind of like, okay, cool. That's, that's really cool. There's they a lot going on into there. it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, all right, all right. All right. All right number my, two, John. Number two. Um, I thought of these cats because as a kid thumbing through the uh, the record albums at the local Kmart or whatever, they had great album covers. And it wasn't until I was older that I realized that their music sounded nothing like the album covers look. <laughs> uh, and this group is Molly Hatchet, yes. which is really more or less a clone of Leonard Skinner. Right. Yet they always had these amazing fantasy images painted on their cover, like from the likes of Frank Frazetta yeah. with these barbarians and the yeah, war horses. Like, like heavy metal shit. Right. You know? And you're looking yeah. at this and like, oh, this is going to be insane. This is like for big boys. I can't listen to this. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like just... Southern rock. Southern rock, Southern you know? Rock, yeah. But the uh, the funny part is the name of the band, Molly Hatchet, 
Uh, it comes from a, a quasi-factual story yeah. uh, named after a murderous prostitute <laughs> who mutilated <laughs> and or decapitated her victims. Nice. Nice. Now, that's a far cry from Molly Pitcher. Uh, not yeah. to be confused with. No doubt. <laughs> But yeah, that's where Molly Hatchet yeah, comes bit of from. Yeah, a bit of a separation between that and their, their music. Right. You know, I, I absolutely love Molly Hatchet's cover of an Allman Brothers tune, Dreams, which I'm sure you've heard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, none of that seems to have anything to do with the album covers <laughs> or the band name. A little bit of but, a bait and but, switch there. But you know, you know, musicians being musicians, you hear a story about you know a prostitute that's like hacking her clients to death right. and shit. You're like... Yeah, we got to honor her somehow. Yeah. She's you know? going to be a part of things. <laughs> I know. And imagine the album covers. Crazy. Oof. What do you got, sir? Well, since we're going dark, apparently we're going <laughs> it's dark. It's going to get darker. Yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> going to get darker. Um, one of the ones that's always caught my attention was a great, great alternative band that actually we featured them, I believe, last show with a gem, uh, Love Will Tear Us Apart Again. And, of course, I'm talking about Joy Division. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know what these, uh, these Brits, these, these guys, you know, from it's across the It's British television. It's very harsh. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> some sick fuckers. But anyway, <laughs> Joy Division is the name, or it came from the name of the sexual slavery wing of Nazi concentration camps. Oof. And just, just to give you an idea of how sick and demented... These guys' sense of humor was uh, band names they considered prior to Joy Division included Warsaw, which not exactly Las Vegas of Europe speaks yeah. for itself, <laughs> and the Stiff Kittens. And the Stiff Kittens came from a story a fellow musician told, I believe, a guy from the Buzzcocks about coming coming back from tour and coming home to his apartment, and all his cats were dead. Oh, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, we, we, you know, I walked into a stiff kitten situation, you know? So that gives you an idea how warped and twisted wow. the, the, the sense of humor and perspective the members of Joy Division had. And I have nothing but respect for that. Nothing but respect <laughs> for it. Because, look, they got together as a team and said, yes. There you go. That's what we're going to be doing. There you as. go. So, nice. Oof. All right. Let's top it out, John. What do you got? All right. Well, my, my number one for me is just, it's, you know... It's easy. Yeah. Uh, an 80s, let's say, uh, new age kind of pop band known okay. as Spando Ballet. Yes. Which really had a, a couple dudes, I guess, playing instruments and one lead singer. They had some funky hair, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, fun- well, funky so did everybody hair. in the 80s. You it know. Was, yeah, it was the A 80s, lot of monochrome sure. suits, blue, yeah, purple, yeah. things like that. Absolutely. And they're known for their, um, I guess, ballad kind of uh, true yeah. Which has been featured in movies and sure, whatnot, sure, especially yeah. that one scene from what was it? The uh, it's based on the bonfire of the Vanities, but it's not. It's called Indecent, not Indecent Proposal. No, Maybe that was it. I don't. Anyway, know. they redid it a bunch of yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah you, you, you left me out in the cold yeah. on that one, but still, it's totally Spandau Ballet. I mean, it's yeah. That. But here's the thing: they took the name from when Nazi war criminals were hung by the neck until dead <laughs> at Spandau Prison. So obviously, if you've, ever, if you've ever seen a hanging, there's a bit of a herky-jerky dance that happens sure. before the next snap, sure. you know. Yeah. And somebody saw this and says, well, that would be a great name for a, <laughs> a pop band singing New Age love songs. What the fuck were they putting in the water Seriously. back then, man? Jesus. Wow. Just damn. Spandau Ballet. Spandau Ballet. And I, I guarantee like you'll never listen to their music the same way again. I was going to say, I suddenly have a whole new respect for those guys, yep. which is which is interesting because I had absolutely no respect for them prior to. <laughs> but now that now that I'm uh, aware of uh, this, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to do a little re-listen, <laughs> you know, and 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 accord them the appropriate respect for the creative band name. Bingo. What do nice. you got there in your top spot? Well, this is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, these guys, you know, have been a favorite of mine for a very long time. They're one of the few bands where the first time I heard them, it scared the shit out of me. It was just like, oh, my God, what are these guys doing? Interesting. Who, who are they? Uh, and, of course, I'm talking about The Doors. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you want to talk about a creative, you know, off-the-cuff, completely out of the mainstream band name. They took the name from a book uh, by uh, an author named Aldous Huxley uh, called The Doors of Perception that elaborated on his psychedelic experiences, particularly with, uh, with 
psilocybin with mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the kind of intense thinking that was going on on about 1965 when you were, you know, a young band and you were coming up with band names. These guys decided they were going to call themselves The Doors based on the book, The Doors of Perception. Mm -hmm. And that's some heavy-duty shit when you think about it. You know, that's like, really? You know, and of course, you know, they particularly, like, absolutely murdered it. Um, if you look at what The Doors accomplished in their Alibite short career, you know, they were one of the best-selling American bands of all time, they outsold the Rolling Stones, mm -hmm. you know, and other contemporaries of the of that era. Um, I mean, just just very very, I don't know, short term burst of energy, right? You right. know, I mean, they got together in '65. Morrison died in '71, you know. And if you think about the the perspective that they put into coming up with a name for the band, yep. you know, that's some heavy duty shit. It matches the the, the catalog of work. I oh, mean, yeah, totally, totally. You know, you come out with a band name like that, and then you back it up with some heavy-duty right, shit. Right, You know, and then that's exactly what the Doors did, you know. And I have absolutely nothing but respect for them for doing that, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, for what... I mean, they were smart guys. They were educated guys, you know. Ray and, and, and Jim met at UCLA, you know, when Ray was a grad student. You know, mm -hmm. Jim, was a, Jim was an undergrad. You know, they were generally regarded at that time as, you know, one of the most well-read... Uh, intelligent bands, you know, and they obviously put some thought into this before they launched it, and then they backed it up with some serious heavy-duty music, you know. So nothing but respect for that, and what an unusual name, yeah, you know, The Doors, you know, etched into the annals of rock and roll history. There you go. So nice. That was fun. That wasn't ah, even like depressing that. or anything. I the hell out and of there, that. And there, there's so many more, and everyone's got their own opinions, you know, to yeah. battle, you know, back and forth. Yeah, it's one of those topics you could go round and round for hours yep. on. Hours, yep. you know. So now, as it comes time for the magical third gem of yes. this episode, yes, it's um, thank little, little goodness, nod, little nod to one of Johnny's favorites here. Well, indeed, yeah. But it's uh, the end of an era, but it doesn't involve a casket. Right, which is something that's afforded very infrequently in uh, the world and, of rock and roll, and refreshing, <laughs> I must add. Right, a yeah. little bit of a uh, retirement homage to yes, one of my life heroes, Mr. David Lee Roth. But we'll talk more about that later. For right now, we're going to play for you a closet gem, uh, a little something off of Van Halen's original demo tapes from 1976 called "She's the Woman," and we'll be right back with a whole bunch more things and stuff. And some more of that other stuff.
as a hardcore Van Halen song, that yeah. song, as like unproduced and unfiltered yeah. as it is, yeah, it's just raw, and I love it. I gotta say, I like I like the non-produced version, right, better than the one they eventually came out with. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, folks, we did listen to that song, which is "She's the Woman," off of the 1976 demo album that. Van Halen put together with the assistance of Gene Simmons yeah, of Kiss yeah. to try and get them signed. And which they, didn't work. Which didn't work, way. right. Yeah. And they uh, kind of shined it up and re-released She's the Woman off of the, I want to say, 2010 album, uh, A Different Kind of Truth. Okay. And it, it, it charted. It got a decent amount of airplay, but it just didn't have the same... Yeah. My well, cheese you know, ball. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was funny. Yeah, when we were listening to it, we were talking about a pre-show... If I had heard that demo from a band, right. it would have been like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, these guys are going to blow up. And, and it belongs perfectly on their first album. They should have yeah. left it on as is. Yeah, right? probably so. Probably so. But as I alluded to uh, before the break and we played the song, yes, sadly, <laughs> sadly, David Lee Roth has announced his retirement. He's 63 years old now. Is he really? He is. Wow. And he's got a, a couple shows of a like kind of small residency in Vegas that he's going to get through, and yeah. then that's it, no more. Kind of the end of an era. End really. of an era. It really you is. Know? It's the the end of the classic rock front man. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, whether you loved him or hated him, or yeah, you were somewhere, that's somewhere so in debatable, right? Yeah. David Lee Roth was an epic front man. Yeah. Absolutely epic front man. And especially in his younger years, his his vocal range, although not a classically trained singer. Yeah. You know, he would say that his favorite vocalist was Roger Daltrey because he never used vibrato. Really? And he just, he said he had a note and he blasted it. And that's what he tried to model himself over. Right. But many people will tell you, and I've had people tell me this, that when they heard him for the first time, they thought he was black. No kidding. Because there was a soul to his voice and a tone that they had not seen another white singer get up there, at least not those fulfilling the Jesus concept of right. you know the Robert Plant. Sure, and sure. even the guy from uh, Black Oak, Arkansas, which they say David Lee stole his whole right. thing from, yep. Yep. which maybe he did, you know. Yeah, maybe, but he kind of fine-tuned so, it maybe and, not, and made it his own. Because as we know in art, everything's stolen. Nothing's oh, yeah. original. No. Well, I always thought it was, it was interesting, you know, back in the late 70s, uh, in radio in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. there was a guy named Rodney Bingenheimer. Yep, familiar uh, who with him. Was, yeah, at, still well, active, by the way. Yeah, he's still around. <laughs> he's still around. But yeah, they considered... I mean, he was on a radio station called KROQ, which many years later led the alternative explosion uh -huh. of radio stations across the country. But Rodney was always a tastemaker. Right. You know, and around Led Ze or excuse me, Van Halen's time in that period, you know, in the late 1970s, when Rodney was spinning out the Runaways and, and uh -huh. you know, so many other different alt-rock bands and bands that would, you know, many years later blow up, he was also spinning Van Halen, yeah. you know, because these guys, you know, they were, they were, you know, a prominent, prominent band in the underground in L.A. during that time, you mm -hmm. know, their backyard party. Legendary. Yeah, Shows were legendary, you know, along the lines of bands like Sublime, you know, right. who came out of Long Beach. These guys were out of Pasadena. And they were legendary as Mammoth before yeah, back in Diamond the day, yeah, even, yeah, even before, joined yeah. the party. You know, so it, it was funny, you know, I mean, Rodney's a strange dude, but, you know, no, nobody can question his taste in music. Right. You know, based on the bands he helped launch. And he was playing Van Halen very, very early on. And if you listen to any of those early, early live tapes, you hear David's you know, high-end vocal yeah. coming through. And it's, you know, it was very reminiscent of uh, Guns N' Roses later on when you yep. listen to raw tapes and you could hear Axel and it was like, oh my God, who is that guy? Right. You Not know, nearly David, as fine-tuned, as or uh, fine-tuned rather, as a Freddie Mercury. Sure. But had the same size engine. Oh, all yeah. right? That sports car didn't go as fast as Freddie, okay? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't built for Le Mans. It was built, it was built for a, a drag strip. Yeah. You know, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. But and the it, notes it cut that through. It hit, cut through the din. Yes. You know, it made you go, oh, my God, who is that guy? And sometimes the voice matches the lyrics. And since yeah. David wrote most of Van Halen's lyrics, yeah. it, it, it made sense, yeah. you know? And sometimes you need to hear the words from a certain voice to give them that legitimacy. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And there were certain <clears throat> bands and... and, and you know, certain singers that only fit with the music that the band was playing. Right. You know, it wouldn't have worked, you know, with any other band. And, you know, not to shortchange the guy, but, you know, his post-Van Halen career, 
he never quite had that same fit. Right. You know, with it the It started with out the like sound. a house of fire. Oh, yeah. With super talented musicians. Yeah. But slowly, the longer he was away from Van Halen, he started losing that mystique. Yeah. And became more of a showman and not a rock and roller. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. sadly, that's how most people think of him to this day. I mean, I consider myself very lucky because I'll tell you straight up, my, my two greatest musical like influence as far as singers was him and Frank Sinatra. Right. You could not get more opposite ends of the spectrum than that. Yeah. But in my own super brief non-professional singing career, let me stress that, those are my two influences. There was time yeah. to be a Diamond Dave and there was time to be a Frank. Oh, yeah. But I am so grateful that I did get to see him perform several times with Van Halen and I got to see him perform on his own, yeah. which is a funny enough story in and of its own. I saw him at a venue on the Jersey Shore in Seabright called the Trade Winds, wow. which I think is still there. Okay. But this was a great, it was like a large nightclub atmosphere, half yeah. indoors, half out. Okay. And the worst seat, if you were to go there and see a show, was maybe 40 yards from the stage, right. tops. I mean, everyone was like in there. Right. So we went to see Dave around... Wow. It was definitely before 2000. Let's say 1999, for the sake okay. of argument. All right. And it was um, the similar time of year. It was early, early fall. For some reason, it was cold as a witch's tit <laughs> at the beach that night. And Dave decided he was going to be an hour late of getting on stage. You of you know? course you did. Yep. So whatever poor tune-up band they had just kept going, going. It was almost like the, the Blues Brothers being the good old boys. They kept playing the same <laughs> shit over and over. So finally, he came out yeah. in vintage late 90s, still Built like a brick shit house, yeah. right? He yeah. wore a white sequin, skin tight spandex jumpsuit. Good God! The only thing that betrayed his age was the receding hairline. Right, still had long hair, but receding hairline. Yeah. But hey, he came out with his band, and they were just fantastic. Nice. You know, nice. But uh, you know, he, he he's my guy, and as much as I I mourn the passing of Eddie, yeah. For me, and for everything that I liked about Van Halen, it was yeah. about David Lee Roth. Yeah. So now that he's packing it in, I know I'm never going to see him perform again. It's, you know, it's a little yeah. bittersweet. Yeah, oh, it gets to you. It yeah. gets to you. It's, yeah. Like I said, it's the end of an era. You know, it would, it would seem unusual, and I'll probably get some shit for this comparison, <laughs> but uh, I would put Dave in the same category that I put Perry Farrell from Jane's Edition in. Wow. And uh, in that From they, here, that's something. Yeah, in that they were showmen, you right. know? Dave was, you know, above all else, a showman. You yeah. know, great vocals, great lyrics and whatnot. But Dave, you know, fronting the band was a showman. He was yeah. a, a, a personality or, you know, an, an iconic presence that was bigger than whatever it was they were doing. And I hold Perry Farrell in the same light. Yeah. You know, he was just, he was something otherworldly. He was, mm -hmm. he was bigger and beyond just the band and just what they were doing. It's these and, linear uh, thinkers. I mean, I yeah. like to think that I've got a colorful backstory, and perhaps I do, but I think Dave beats me in as much as not only did he once front one of the world's greatest rock bands, but his career choices in between, when his like, stint as an EMT, yeah. his, his journeys into the Amazon jungle, which is yeah. him and a bodyguard yeah. just to see if he could survive. Yeah. I mean, going on talk shows... Uh, in Israel, where they, they threw a, a curveball question at him, like, well, how do you justify Israel's you know, armament and what they spend on defense and blah, blah, right, blah. Right. And he's like, you see my bodyguard? <laughs> and the host was like, yeah. She's like, he says, okay, imagine you're surrounded by five of him, all being told that they will attain paradise if they kill you right now. <laughs> now you realize the situation Israel is in. And it was one of those great, almost like a... Um, Oh, uh, Wayne's World moment yeah, where they yeah. ask like Alice Cooper or Aerosmith like a, a geopolitical question sure. and they have an answer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave was a lot of things, but he wasn't an idiot. He wasn't stupid. Never. You and know? he was never at a loss for words. No. You know, and it's funny. I uh, just recently read uh, Flea, the bass player uh -huh. from Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, book, Acid for the Children. And he makes reference at some point in the book to Dave hanging out with the art underground right. of L.A. during that period of time. And you would never think that, you know, given uh, Van Halen's prominence at the time, but that's really where Dave's heart was. Yeah. You know, was the, he was with the artists, yep. you know, and the underground crew. I mean, his, his band, you know, saw phenomenal, phenomenal success, more success than any band would ever, you know, even consider coming out of the gate. Right. You know, but he still had, you know, that underground artist mentality 
you know, yeah. that made him want to go hang out with those dudes. Because he just wanted to entertain. And whatever format that takes, you know, now his thing is his, his paintings. He's uh, always been very deep in Japanese culture. Yeah. He's got a full vest of tattoos now, up and down both arms. The whole yep. chest is covered. Yep. So he took up the art of Japanese painting. Right. Which takes years to be taught by somebody yep. for you then to be considered not just an acolyte, but a master later on. But he's mastered this art of Japanese painting. He puts yeah. out comic strips and shit. He's just just a, a guy that never likes sitting still, which yeah. I can totally relate to. He's an artist. Sleep is overrated. There'll yep. be time enough for sleep in the grave. Thank yep. you, Ben Franklin. <laughs> and, and that's what's up. So yeah. I'll nip that there and jump right over to... What you would normally say. <laughs> What's going on, on on Big Boom Radio? I'm glad I'm having a positive influence on you, John. You are. In your thank own you. little whacked out way, you are. <laughs> and I would say, oh my shit, Michael, right. thank you for asking. What, what, what do we got so going much. on? What do we got? Oh, good Lord. I revisited uh, another disappearing act from the Classic Rock Showcase this week. And yeah. as a matter of fact, today just recorded it. Okay. Um, Sticks. Nice. Yes. All right. And like I said in the broadcast, anybody that thinks Sticks can't rock... Well, just go ask a renegade, a blue-collar man, or a little girl named Susie, and they will prove you wrong. There you go. Because Sticks, even though they got some ballads out there and they went soft in the 80s, oh, sure. had some rocking tunes. Hell yeah. Ironically, and I, I planned this before Dave made the big announcement, Okay. this week on the Classic Rock Showcase, it's kind of sort of Van Halen week. Really? Yes. Nice. Monday, Van Halen Volume 1. Tuesday, David Lee Roth. Wednesday, Van Halen Volume 2. All right. Thursday, Sammy Hagar. Okay. And then Friday, for no discernible reason, the good, great unveiling of the Classic Rock Showcase episode with Bob Marley. Nice. Just to put a weird nice. little end cap on that sucker. Yeah. So it's like a little synchronicity here. A little bit. I like a little it. Bit. So like all it. that's going on, in addition to the fact, look, folks, I can't say strongly enough because I've been chastised by people in the business that I don't promote. <laughs> enough and I guess it's true because I'm too busy blocked down in, yes. in, in the creative yes, to worry about marketing I don't, I don't creep up my own ass enough right yeah but yeah look it's a run down the laundry list first <laughs> of all yes as much as we rail against it we're on Facebook Big Boom Radio has a oh, page oh. the Rockabilly Rumble has a page alright All right. but otherwise just go to BigBoomRadio.com there's all kinds of like buttons right on the front page you can just hit friend once and then you're covered you there know there you go but, um, yes, drop me a line with any ideas, thoughts, criticisms, you name it. Look, we're all <laughs> friends here, right? I'm looking at you, New Delhi, India, one of oh. our biggest hotbeds right now. Nice. Send Johnny an email. It's john know. at bigboomradio.com. There you go. Let me know what's on your mind, man. Yeah, let us know you're out there. We're listening. I was so happy to see New Delhi's join the party. That's kind of cool. I mean, Singapore is out of control. I don't know who you are out there in Singapore listening, but God bless you. I I don't remember my last (laughs) trip to Singapore, and it's probably good. Oof, Singapore word of mouth is strong. Of course, then we got got Brussels out of control. We got Dublin out of control. Nice. We're now appearing in South America, right outside Rio. Shout out to all you good people. Right. Nice. Let us know why you're listening, what you like, what you don't like. Because this is a community thing, man. Yep. I'm not a Nazi when it comes to programming. Remember that. (laughs) Looking at you, South America, in case you're an actual Nazi writing in. Yikes. But other than that, we're just enjoying the ride. So please share the joy with yes, us. Yes, absolutely. You know, now, like I said, the uh, the podcast is on iTunes. So let's blow that sucker up. Just keep downloading away. We've well crossed over the 4,500 download mark. I, I might not even mention this again until we hit 10,000. Because then we're truly legit, according to the powers that be. Is, and, the, is that know. the number? Is that the bar? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the bar. We hit 10 grand. We're good. Well, courtesy of the people that are listening to us now, I consider us legit. Yeah. You know? Because I tell you what, it makes my day when I go looking. Hey, look, I'm not some corporate shield saying, oh, it's all about the numbers. Keep <laughs> tuning in. Dur, dur, dur. Let's give away tickets. Because we have no tickets to give away. No, it's, but, just, it's, it's about being flattered. Yes. You know, the people are tuning in. The truly, truly that, flattered. And, and the beautiful part about it is, is that we'll never know which one of us they agree with more. <laughs> and we don't care. But we know it's got to be one or the other. Because, you know, it's it's the peanut butter and the jelly of the universe, my friend. That's what they say. Right? Yeah. So without further ado, let's wrap up this episode let's again. Thank it. you so much, listeners around 
Wow, look at me say this. Around, Around the, world. the world. As always. Wow, I'll never get used as to that. Always, yeah. As always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.